Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus both possess the qualities we're looking for in our team. Tough, gritty, smart, opportunistic winners. It was an easy decision for me. What am I about and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Now, here's Kevin Powell. This is episode 35 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Kevin Powell here. Thank you for listening. On this episode, we break down the draft with uh, former Bears quarterback Jim Miller. You can hear Jim on Sirius XM NFL Radio. See him on the Bears postgame show on Fox 32, um, among other things. And Jim and I break down the draft, which featured 11 overall selections by Ryan Poles. It's clear Ryan Poles wants to get as many of his guys into Hallis Hall as possible. He wants to reshape this roster. He is a bit limited in what he can do in terms of spending and free agency. And Look, I know there's been a lot of talk about how does Ryan Poles view Justin Fields? Has he done enough to build around him? I, I don't think they've done enough to help Justin Fields. I mean, if you look at the Bears' offensive depth chart, it, it doesn't look good right now. Justin Fields doesn't have many weapons to work with. Darnell Mooney, okay. In a really good offense, Mooney maybe a two, probably a three. And yeah, Cole Komet, David Montgomery. I do get into this with Jim, and Jim really stresses this, getting back to running the football. And that just continued to get away from the Bears under Matt Nagy. They would just continuously abandon the run uh, at some of the strangest times. So that can help Justin Fields. The Bears very much have to believe in the system they're putting in place around Justin Fields because personnel-wise, there's not a whole lot on that Bears offense. So it, it is this fine line, and understandably, that Ryan Poles was handed a mess in terms of the salary cap and contracts. That's why he had to deal away Khalil Mack. Who knows? Maybe he trades Robert Quinn as well. Um, so he's stuck with that. But it's it's kind of a scary thought. It's like, do not put Justin Fields in another horrible position where it's you're setting him up to fail. Now, I if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm very high on Justin Fields. I think he has all the skills and all the tools to be a really good quarterback in this league. For whatever reason, the narrative has been tossed around out there that maybe Ryan Poles doesn't believe in Justin Fields and maybe they'll move on from him and Poles wants his own guy. What Ryan Poles has going for him is the fact that his first draft, his first offseason for the Bears was not an immediate search for a quarterback solution. Not saying Justin Fields is the guy yet, but Ryan Poles didn't have to worry about the quarterback this offseason. That's a ton of weight off his shoulders for any general manager, especially if you're the Chicago Bears general manager. There wasn't a whole lot in the quarterback class. Kenny Pickett was the top draft. There's one quarterback drafted in the first round. If Justin Fields was in this draft, without a doubt, a top 10 pick. He's the first quarterback off the board. So they have Justin Fields, who is an incredible talent, I just don't want it to go to waste. It is a terrifying thought to think that they do end up uh, blowing the shot with Justin Fields. He's quarterback many believe could be the a franchise quarterback with the Bears. So I understand that Ryan Poles is in a different a difficult position when it comes to spending money. There wasn't a whole lot out there. There was no reason for him to overextend on a receiver. And he talked about you know his pre-draft press conference when he was talking about receivers. He was like, it's crazy what they're getting money wise. So. 
certainly wasn't the offseason to go out and sign a receiver to a crazy deal. Um, and I don't know what else he, he could have done, but the receiving core doesn't look all that great for the Bears right now. And you never know. There's still a long way to go to the season. Maybe Ryan Poles can um, figure something out there. But this is a foundational year, as you'll hear Jim Miller put it, understandably. I mean, Ryan Poles wants to reshape this roster. Don't blame him. But it's that fine line of doing something to help Justin Fields in a big second year for him. So they must very much believe in their system and believe in the guys that they've brought in. The offensive line still doesn't bring you a ton of confidence. The offensive line has been really bad over the past couple of years. Who knows? Maybe Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum turned into guys, uh, did draft some linemen um, this year as well. So I, I think it's, for me, I, I just hope that they – do enough to help Justin Fields. Because right now the personnel isn't there, so it's going to have to be scheme when it comes to helping Justin Fields and maximizing his talent. They're not. It's going to be a rough year probably for the Bears, but you want to see growth out of Justin Fields. That's the most important thing this season. More than anything is Justin Fields and figuring out what you've got there, how you can build around his strengths, and then next year when money is off the books and Ryan Poles has a first-round pick and he has money to spend in free agency, you feel a lot more comfortable investing into certain positions when you know Justin Fields is the guy you're going to build around. But, you know, things get tossed around, and for whatever reason, some are like, does Ryan Poles believe in Justin Fields and this and that? I don't know how you could possibly have given up on Justin Fields at this point. It's been one season. He played in a system that wasn't helpful to the way Justin Fields plays quarterback at all. I mean, we don't have to go down back uh, back down that road of what Matt Nagy did with that offense and um, how they really just did not help Justin Fields in any way. So you have to hope the new coaching staff and the scheme they're putting in place uh, does help Justin Fields. But again, I did talk with Jim Miller, former Bears quarterback, uh, current Bears analyst. You can hear him on Sirius XM NFL. But uh, Jim, join me to talk about this Bears draft and the Bears offseason so far. Here's my conversation with Jim Miller. Now joining me on the podcast is Jim Miller, former Bears quarterback, uh, current Bears analyst. You can see him on the Bears postgame show, hear him on Sirius XM NFL radio uh, weekdays as well. Jim, appreciate you jumping on. Well, thanks for having me. All right, well, let's just dive right into what Ryan Poles did in his first draft with the Bears, which was a pretty apparent. He said it before the draft. He wanted to acquire more picks. We all would have been surprised if he did move up, but your overall initial impression of, of what Ryan Poles did in his first draft. Yeah, I think uh, he accomplished his goal. You know, they go into the draft with only six picks. They come out with uh, 11 picks. So true to his word, he traded down to a to acquire more talent and guys that will will really supply competition. You know, to me, it's a foundational year. Uh, these coaches are not under any uh, pressure, I should should say. You know, they want to see improvement both offensively and defensively because they're going to really uh, install two new schemes and just see how these young players develop. I think they want to get younger across the board. They're going to play and develop these players and see where it shakes out. Really, next year, I think, is the year they'll – They'll make a big bang because they'll have a lot more money. 
in free agency, but it really is about the development of these young players. And we can get into Justin Fields in the offense in a second, because I know some were maybe a little surprised he went back-to-back with defensive backs, but you look at Kyler Gordon, yeah, maybe they should have went receiver, maybe done something else initially to help Justin Fields, but there were clearly holes on this roster, and he might have drafted two week one starters with his first two picks. Yeah, I think really there's only a couple of sacred cows on the Bears' defense, and really I would say that on the offense as well, Justin Fields being one of them. You know, Jalen Johnson's probably a sacred cow. I think Roquan Smith's a sacred cow. Uh, I think maybe, uh, you know, even Robert Quinn, uh, even with the 18 and a half sacks, you know, he's probably a tradable commodity, but he's probably the most talented pass rusher they have. But I think it was paramount that they come away with a safety in a corner. You need somebody to stop uh, start opposite Jalen Johnson. I think Kyler Gordon is a guy who can do that from Washington. 5'11", 194, uh, ran a 4'5", I think he's extremely twitchy. He's a flexible player. He's a very physical player because when you're playing the Tampa 2, you need to reroute receivers at the line of scrimmage. He probably needs a little bit better instincts, but he's a solid player that's going to grow and develop. I think when you look at Jaquan Brisker, football's important to him. He transferred up from uh, Juco and Lackawanna College uh, uh, there in Pennsylvania. So this safety, when he arrived at Penn State, probably lacked the instincts, but he's 6'1", 200 pounds. This guy's extremely physical. This guy really will make plays, and he's a big hitter. And I thought even this past year, he probably wasn't as physical as what he was in 2020, but then you find out he was playing with a shoulder injury. So this guy will go out and suck it up and still play really good football. And I thought his second year in Penn State's defense, he really showed more instincts, really his ability to break on the ball, but still had a physical uh, dimension to his game. And I think, you know, when you look at Matt Eberflus, they're going to try to deploy him like uh, what they did in Indianapolis with Kari Willis, who they drafted out of Michigan State. I really like Jaquan Brisker. You know, I think he's a very physical player, and I think both those players will find themselves on the field year one. You know, one, um, you know, you mentioned with both of those players and kind of the trend we're seeing with Ryan Poles is he wants his team to get tougher. And all yeah. the scouting reports and what you just said, these, these, you know, those first two picks, they're, they're uh, two picks, they're tough football players, they're hard nosed football players. And it, I think, Ryan Poles really certain certainly trying to change the identity of this team and get get a little bit tougher. Yeah, well, I think you know the Bears. I thought they played better than what they did the year prior. Uh, you know, than last year. Um, I think you know now it's going back to a, a different system, so it starts all over. And I, I think when you're developing and you have a new coach, I think young players are going to be the way to go. And it seems like that's the direction the Chicago is going right now. And these are the type of players they want. We'll see how they play. I agree with you. I think they're, they're, they both bring a, a physical element to, to the game, and they need to play fast. I think that's been well documented, what Matt Eberflus and how he wants his defense to perform. So fly around, make big hits, make big plays, and it could lead to something good. Well, and speaking of fast, their their first offensive pick came in the third round, pick number 71, Valus Jones Jr. out of Tennessee. He can fly how do you envision the Bears using him on the offense? Well, I think first, minimum, he'll start as a returner. You know, I think, uh, you know, he started out at USC, transfers to uh, Tennessee. He had the second fastest 40 at the combine at 4-3-1. So that was ranked the second fastest. And so he'll start with kick return and punt return duties. Obviously, when you look at uh, uh, the young man last year who they had, who they got from Miami, he's no longer there. He's over in 
in uh, Cleveland right now. And I think for Velos Jones, that's where he's going to have his biggest impact on the field. Normally you can start returners as rookies. And I think with his speed, that's where he'll have his biggest impact. Then as he develops into a wide receiver, he'll earn more opportunities on the field. I think it'll happen as the year goes along, but minimum he can take the top off the defense if they want to stretch the field until he gets more comfortable. But try and start him off at one spot rather than try to learn all three positions because his speed can can help you at any one of the positions, whether it's X, Z, or slot. But I would start him off at one spot just to get him comfortable but really have him focus on the punt and kick return duties where he can make the biggest impact as a rookie. All right, and then Ryan Poles, who we, have, of course, know comes with an offensive line background, and we hopefully mm-hmm. you know he has an eye for talent there. They can obviously use an upgrade on that offensive line, which has struggled over the past couple of years. But Braxton Jones uh, out of Southern Utah, what have you seen from him on tape, and do you think he can be a starter initially somewhere on that line? What do you envision for Braxton Jones in his first couple of years? I, I don't think a starter initially. I think he's going to be minimum. I think he can be a swing tackle. So if Larry Borum, you know, knocks the, out of the park, I think Larry Borum can start at left tackle right now. I think he's proven that he's somebody that you're willing to give an opportunity to and see where he develops into. I think Tevin Jenkins is better at a right tackle spot. And then I think Braxton Jones, you'd want to make your swing tackle. Why? He's got 35-inch arms. You know, those are very long arms. He probably needs to develop his balance a little bit more. But I think minimum he could be a swing tackle for the Chicago Bears, and and hopefully that's the goal because you want to have the ability, if he does have to play in a pinch, put the pressure on him to make sure he's prepared to go in there and play. And He's a guy that I think can help out at left tackle, right tackle. If you had to kick him in the guard, he could probably do it, but I'd prefer he just really focus on being the swing tackle for the Chicago Bears. All right, let's talk about Justin Fields a little bit. It's been a small sample size, and some pointed to whether it was Matt Nagy's system or the personnel around him. We still haven't seen him in a fully functioning offense. I guess that's one way to put it. But from what you've mm-hmm. seen, Jim, on Justin Fields, what I guess how would you evaluate his, his play in year one? Yeah, I think it was sporadic. I don't think he was put in good situations. Again, when you're going empty against Cleveland, when you're not providing the pass protection for him and really the focus isn't running the football, I think it kind of showed. He doesn't have a shot. You know, he got sacked nine times. He got beat up early and often. And I just think that's miscasting him and really not putting himself in a, in a good position of strength. You know, I still think the Bears need to focus on running the football. I've said it all along. I thought when they transitioned their offense and started running the ball a lot more, that's where they were more effective. Uh, run and play action passes. You know, Justin was still getting acclimated to just even calling plays because if you remember at Ohio State, he'd kind of just look at the sideline. All 11 offensive players would get the play call from the sideline. He wouldn't even call it other than the snap count. So that's an adjustment, number one, that he had to do. And then when you're out there running empty protections and all kind of blitzes are coming at him, I just think that's too much for a young quarterback, especially a rookie, to focus on. So you got to be pass protection conscious you got to protect him running the football and, you know, and then obviously be very good in your play-action game and then incorporate his athletic ability into it, whether it's quarterback draws, whether it's rollouts, whether it's bootlegs, whether it's sprint, uh, sprint outs uh, with him. I think all that was kind of, you know, I don't want to say it was neglected. I think the Bears got better after, after the Cleveland game because it was such a debacle 
and then it started to put them in better positions as their uh, laser took over calling the plays again. As you said, this is a foundational year. There are plenty of holes in this roster, and Ryan Poles wants to get as many of his guys into Hellas Hall as possible. He did that with 11 draft picks and maybe some more uh, coming on the way too. So, um, But do you think there's this fine line maybe like a little underwhelmed in what Ryan Poles has put around Justin Fields as he heads into year two? Like, do you think they should have done, they should have done more this off season to help fields and help the offense? Well, I think that sounds great, but the bears didn't have a lot of money in free agency. You know, they actually had the most dead cap money of any team. I think it was 48 million. So teams like say the bears and the Atlanta Falcons were in the same boat. You know, I would have loved for the Bears to go out and, and, and bought a guy like Teron Armstead. That way you know for Justin Fields, his left tackle position is solidified. But Miami is the team that landed Teron Armstead. The, the deal just got too big uh, for the Bears to, to spend money and really field the team. So teams like Atlanta and the Bears, they really got to focus on their draft. They've got to focus on their undrafted free agents. They're limited in their fiduciary uh, responsibilities and what they can do in free agency and why they were modest in terms of their spending. When you bring in Byron Pringle or a guy like Equanimous St. Brown, who knows the offense uh, there, and even uh, the the guard, Patrick, who comes over, you know, I think for him, you know, he knows the system that Luke Getze is, is really installing offensively. And for me, it will be a run play action offense. They want to run the outside zone offense, much like what Matt LaFleur does there in Green Bay. That's what Getze's bringing in. Uh, for the Bears, and they're going to try to match the players that fit that. And certainly two guys that have been in the system will be able to do it, and now they're going to try to protect uh, Justin Fields just a little bit better. But they were limited in what they could do out there in free agency. What's it like playing quarterback in this town, Jim? You experienced it. Uh, Yeah, it can be tough. You know, I think, you know, you look at guys like Rex Grossman or even Jay Cutler, they, they walk away from Chicago and they feel vilified. You know, uh, the, the media is not kind. Uh, the fans uh, can get a little disgruntled when, you know, the play doesn't match, uh, you know, what they think the performance should be. You know, I, I think you you really have to understand uh, as a player when you come to Chicago that even when, for me, when the when the Chicago Bulls won all their, their championships, it's still a football town. At the end of the day, it's it's a football town. And I've said this numerous times. You can never get away with it you know, get away from it. What I mean by that is you pull up at the local stoplight and there's a Bears bumper sticker looking you square in the face. (laughs) You go walking into Ross Park Mall and people are wearing their Bears gear and their Bears hat and their Bears uh, jacket and it's right in front of your face. And so it's important. You know, it's important. And I think uh, the fans want to know if you as a player is, is important to you. And winning is important. And I think you just, you can never get away with it. You have to understand it, but I think that the the fans respect hard workers. I think they respect uh, players that go out and give their all. You know, somewhat an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And I think if you approach it that way, uh, you're going to be beloved by the Chicago Bears fans. And you always have an opportunity as a player. Any jeers that are coming your way as a football team, you've got the opportunity to turn those into cheers. You have that type of power 
as a quarterback of a, of any team in the National Football League and really have to raise your the level of play of your fellow teammates. You know, it's funny you say it's a Bears town. Like, I was at Wrigley last night covering a Cubs-White Sox game, sitting in the press box, and I still heard reporters talking Bears. I'm not kidding, Jim. Yeah. Like, it's just everywhere you go, you could talk Bears in this town 365, right? Whether you're yes, just making absolutely. small talk or whatever it may be, it's just it's crazy how much we love the Bears in this town. Well, I, I loved it as a player because, like I said, you could never get away get away from it. And it really it forced me, whether it was watching more tape, getting an extra workout, doing uh, some mental gymnastics or visualizing in order to get the, the best performance that I could play because I, I knew it was important. It was important to me. I knew it was important to the town and certainly wanted their respect. And I think all my teammates took it the same way. It was a really a, some really good teams that I was on in Chicago, and I think every player uh, took it with the importance that it deserved. Um, all right, we've covered the first uh, four or five picks here for the Bears. Was there a player, and he, you know, Ryan Poles drafted nine overall picks through the final two rounds. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a player, and look, six seventh rounders typically don't pan out, but who knows? Maybe he did. Any of these right. players stick out that maybe aren't being talked about enough, or maybe somebody that that caught your eye, Jim? Yeah, I think Dominic Robinson really is. People need to know about this Miami of Ohio, Ohio player. He's an edge rusher. He's kind of new to the position. This guy was a former quarterback in high school, switched to wide receiver. Then in college, he switches to defense. He's got really good upside to him. Uh, his traits as a player are a lot like Travis Gibson's. So to me, you know, th- this is a guy that pr- clearly I thought Matt Everflus had a, probably a direct connection in drafting that, hey, this is a player that I believe can provide some edge rush, what the Bears are going to need opposite uh, Robert Quinn. And so I would watch him. I think Treston Ebner, again, he's got kick return ability. I think he's more of a third down back is where I see him. And, you know, even the punter, Trenton Gill, who they drafted, I actually talked to the North Carolina State head coach, uh, Dave Doner, uh, Dave Dorner, excuse me, uh, and he was a walk on there. So this guy kind of, you know, worked his way up there. I don't think he's got the biggest leg, but he's starting to get better as a directional punter. He put 31 uh, punts inside the 20 and has become a kickoff specialist as well. So, you know, you take a flyer on him in the late rounds. But I, I think Elijah Hicks, the defensive back taken in the seventh round out of California, he's just a hard-nosed kid who loves football. I'm not saying he's going to stick on the roster. He may be a practice squad player, but he definitely has box fits in the safety position is important in what Matt Everflus puts strength at. And again, I'll relate it to what uh, in, uh, the Indianapolis Colts did. That's why the Bears drafted a couple of safeties. One guy will be in a developmental role, and I think Brisker is going to find his way onto the field. So they drafted a couple of safeties that I think are good, hard-nosed football players. You mentioned Robert Quinn and just an incredible season last year, big-time bounce-back season for Robert Quinn. But if you know if they can move him, I think Ryan Poles would, as you mentioned, uh, a possible trade somewhere down the line for Robert Quinn. This is uh, the deal is you know long done, and the picks have been used, but. I do want to get your thoughts on the Khalil Mack trade. Um, personally, I totally understood it. I felt the return I was a little underwhelming. What was what was your reaction to the Khalil Mack deal? Well, I, th- I think the Bears had to clear cap space, you know. And I think if it push were to come to shove, you know, I think they trade Robert Quinn too if they had 
suitable partners out there that would want to take on the contract. And, and I love Robert Quinn, and I love Khalil Mack. But the bottom line is Quinn's probably the better fit in a 4-3 defense because that's what the Bears are going to. Um, no, and that's no offense to Khalil Mack, but I thought he flourished, and now that's why he's out there with the Chargers. I think you, you look at Brandon Staley, they're going to utilize him the same way the Chicago Bears did in a 3-4 defense. Quinn, I think, can play in both. And that's why he was probably retained over, you know, Khalil Mack for those very reasons. So Quinn's done it before. He's been in a 4-3 and a 3-4, and he's excelled in both. Um, so, but I think if push comes to shove, and if the Bears were, were given enough, uh, you know, acquisitional assets in order to trade him and the team's willing to take on that contract, I think the Bears should move him because I think it's about developing young players. This is a new head coach. This is a new GM. They are tied to nobody other than, I think, a couple of sacred cows that are going to be there prior to their arrival. So they want to develop it their way with their players that they feel fit best in their system. One player that would have fit perfectly into Matt Eberflus's defense is Larry Ogunjobi playing that three technique. The physical doesn't yeah. go well. That falls apart. Um, it would have been kind of the first big splashy move of the Ryan Poles era. Do you think there's any chance they still come to an agreement there? Or do you think that's long gone? Yeah, no, I think, you know, he's got to heal up in order to pass the physical, you know, and, you know, other teams haven't come in to scoop him up. You know, so I think there's still a possibility he will be a part of the Bears. I mean, let's face it, that was the first player they targeted and were willing to pay big money to. Uh, I think it starts and stops there. They need a disruptive three technique, um, and they targeted Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, You know, they signed Jones as a replacement. Uh, I don't think he's as good as what Ogunjobi can bring to the table, but I think he's serviceable, and obviously he was the next in line that the Bears turned to but it doesn't come with the same price tag. I think that's an important position in a Tampa 2 defense. Just go back to the Bears when they drafted Tommy Harris, how disruptive he was. It starts and stops at that position, and they wanted it to work out with Ogunjobi. Who knows? It still may. He's got to heal up a little bit more, and who knows? Maybe he still will be joining the Chicago Bears. It's the way the news cycle works, and we like to grade these drafts and judge what general managers have done you know minutes after a draft when we really don't know about all these players after you know two or three seasons maybe but overall what are some of the who are some of the teams you thought had a really good draft well I think it's it's no question the Jets really did a nice job you know for them to get uh, uh, Jermaine Johnson uh, the pass rusher and they they get the corner that they wanted all along and in Sauce Gardner and and for them just to, you know, for really for Joe Douglas to stick to his guns, and they really addressed all their needs when you look at the Jets. The other team I was impressed with, I thought Baltimore absolutely killed it. They kind of got uh, 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 leapfrogged early because Philadelphia traded up to get Jordan Davis, the big defensive tackle, out of Georgia. So they jumped them by a couple of spots and were able to select them right before Baltimore was able to repeat right before Baltimore was able to pick by the 14th pick. But, boy, I thought Baltimore rebounded unbelievably. You know, for them to get the players that they got, like Tyler Lindenbaum, who's just going to be an incredible center, I think he's going to play 10 years in the NFL. They get Kyle Hamilton first, the safety from Notre Dame, who kind of fits what they're doing uh, defensively. David Ojabo, what a perfect fit for him because – uh, Baltimore's new defensive coordinator comes from University of Michigan. So McDonald is now there as the D.C., 
and he's seen David Ojabo play. That was David's best year at University of Michigan. He kind of burst onto the scene as a one-year starter and really killed it. He had five forced fumbles and wrecked some games uh, towards the end. And then I think getting big Daniel Falele, the big offensive tackle out of Minnesota, it fits their gap scheme and how they want to run the football perfectly uh, for Baltimore. And then they drafted a couple of really productive tight ends. Charlie Kolar is very underrated from Iowa State. This guy can inline and he can block tremendously. And Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, they can do 13 personnel now because they'll have Andrews, Kolar on the field, and Isaiah Likely as really the route runner. This guy can split out and do a lot of different things. He's sneaky good with how well he can play. So I thought Baltimore and I thought the Jets really had nice drafts. It just seems year after year Baltimore nails the draft. You know, I, it's just it's, it's probably why they're always competitive. Kyle Hamilton some had him, had him you know, as a top-five talent in this draft, and he falls to them. Um, late in the first round. But, uh, Jim, I really appreciate your time talking Bears. Uh, follow Jim on Twitter. You can see him Bears postgame shows, hear him on Sirius XM NFL radio as well. Jim, I uh, appreciate the insight, and thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. Good to be with you. And that's going to do it for Episode 35 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Ernie Scatton and Brian Altimer for their help producing the podcast Thanks again for listening. This is the WGN Radio Football Podcast.